Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. Last week, we were talking about how important Bible doctrine is. We went over a number of passages that show that. For example, one that gets quoted on this program quite frequently is 2 John 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So from that text, it says you have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ to have God. Meaning if you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ, you won't have to be saved. You won't be saved. Another passage we might look at, it says that 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5, it says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine, which is according to godliness, from such withdraw thyself. So not only should we have to, do we have to stay in the right doctrine, according to this verse, if somebody else is not abiding in the right doctrine, we have to withdraw from them. The Catholics will call that excommunication. Pretty important. Now, we mentioned last week, most preachers will say, no, doctrine's not important. As long as you just believe in Jesus, then your doctrine is not important. As long as you believe the gospel, then what you believe about doctrine is not important, according to them. According to them. But we just looked at some passages that, 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 that say that if you don't abide in the right doctrine, you don't have God, you can't be saved. And, and most people would admit this. If doctrine is not important, then it would be okay to believe in and teach and practice abortion or gay marriage, wouldn't it? If doctrine is not important, wouldn't it be okay with God for you to practice abortion or gay marriage? Because that's doctrine. That's more than just believing in Jesus to have the truth on those things. But Romans 1, 26 and 27 says, For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Clearly showing that homosexuality, both lesbianism and gay men, they're both sinful. And most of all, most of all our listeners here would agree with that. That if you are for abortion or you go along with abortion or gay marriage, you're not abiding in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ, you don't have God. They would agree with that. But why can't they see the same thing about other points of doctrine? Like women preachers. What about that point of doctrine? First Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 says, let your women keep silence in the churches for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Clearly showing that what we call the issue of women preachers, women preaching in the church service from the pulpit, that's wrong. Is it okay for women to do that? That's not abiding in the doctrine of Christ, is it? And then what about... What does a person have to do to be saved? Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. Well, a lot of preachers will say you don't have to be baptized to be saved. It doesn't really matter what you believe about baptism. But Jesus said you got to be believe and be baptized to be saved. Can you be wrong about that doctrine and still be saved? Why is it... Why is it that you have to be right about the doctrine on abortion and gay marriage, but you don't have to be right about baptism or women preachers? 
I mean, the Bible just says if you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God, meaning you can't be saved. What about all these people, all these preachers that teach once saved, always saved? They're not abiding in the doctrine of Christ, but most people say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe about once saved, always saved. But Galatians 5, 4 says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So, so the Baptist church, for example, say it's impossible for a Christian to fall from grace. But this verse says these people had fallen from grace. You cannot fall from a tree unless you're in the tree to start with. You cannot fall from grace unless you're in grace to start with. These people were in grace. They were saved. They were fallen from grace. They lost their salvation. Yet many people will tell you it doesn't matter if you abide in the doctrine of Christ. It doesn't matter what you believe about once saved, always saved. Well, what about infant baptism? Infant baptism, let me read Acts 8, 37. You remember the eunuch wanted to be baptized, and Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered, said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So what, what did Philip mean? The eunuch wants to be baptized. He says, If you believe with all your heart, you mayest. Mayest what? Be baptized. Meaning, if you don't believe... You may not be baptized, showing that infant baptism is unscriptural. And then what about sprinkling for baptism? Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now, when somebody dies and we take them out to the graveyard and bury them, what does that mean? Does that mean we sprinkle a little dirt on their head? Does that mean we put them all the way up under the ground? No, we know what buried means. We know what buried means. And so when we bury somebody in baptism, that means we're, does that mean we're going to sprinkle a little water on their head or put them all the way up under the water? Well, it means we're going to put them all the way up under the water. Yet we have all kinds of churches that practice sprinkling. Some churches stand for the truth on this and practice immersion. But many of those churches that believe in immersion will say the churches that practice sprinkling are okay. What are they in effect saying? It doesn't matter if you abide in the doctrine of Christ. Now, they say it matters when you're talking about gay marriage and abortion. you got to abide in the doctrine of Christ on those. But when it talks about the mode of baptism, whether or not you immerse or sprinkle, you don't have to abide in the doctrine of Christ on that. You can sprinkle even though that goes against Romans chapter 6, verse 4, and still be okay. But remember 2 John 9 says if you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. You can't be saved. If you have a Bible question or comment, Give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Now, I want to make another offer that I hadn't made in a while, probably since before COVID. I used to make this offer every now and then, but since COVID, I don't think I've made it. Perhaps you appreciate the teaching on this program. Who would like for me to come preach a few nights at the congregation where you are? Now, First of all, I never accept pay for preaching. So I'm willing to come for free. I'm willing to come just for the opportunity. And it doesn't really matter what kind of church it is. I have preached for Methodist churches, several times at Baptist churches, a Seventh-day Adventist church, numerous times at Churches of Christ, even a Nazarene church once. Just know the ground rules up front coming in is that I will preach what your particular audience needs to hear not necessarily what they already believe or practice, as Second Timothy 4, verse 3, would tell me I have to. So, if you appreciate my teaching, you want me to come preach for a few nights, I'll come free of charge. Doesn't matter what kind of church it is, just know that whatever kind of church it is, I'm going to preach what that audience needs. 
but you're going to get it for free. And I'm going to tell you in a kind and loving way what you need to hear. I'm going to warn you because I don't want to be, I don't want to have to have your blood upon my hands. Acts 20, 26 and 27, 31, Ezekiel 30, verse 18, teach that I've got to preach what you need. You willing to do that? You want me to come? Free of charge. Preach what's needed. Maybe we could deal with some of these topics. Gay marriage, women preachers. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? Once saved, always saved. Baptism, infant baptism, sprinkling for baptism. There's a lot of topics we could deal with depending upon the need of that congregation. Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Here's another passage that mentions the word doctrine, Romans 6:17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. That says that to be made free from sin, you must obey the doctrine. No question. If we don't know the correct doctrine, how are we going to obey the correct doctrine in order to be saved from our sins? Sounds like to me doctrine's pretty important if you have to obey the doctrine to be set free from your sins. So most people say, well, you don't have to obey the doctrine to be set free from your sins. All you got to do is believe the gospel. It doesn't matter what doctrine you believe or teach. It doesn't matter what you believe on all these things like sprinkling or immersion for baptism or infant baptism or once saved, always saved. Or, or do you have to be baptized to be saved? doesn't matter on those things. Those are just matters of doctrine, people say. Well, if it's a matter of doctrine, Second John said, if you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. Second Timothy 4, verse 3, reads this way. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. This is why many preachers, I'm convinced, limit their preaching to only what their audience already accepts. That is the way they try to increase their teaching opportunities and earnings, by only by limiting their preaching to only what their audience already accepts. But that's not the job of the gospel preacher. The job of the gospel preacher is to teach what their audience needs, what that audience is not believing and practicing according to the sound doctrine. Doctrine's pretty important. How about Titus chapter 1, verse 9? reads this way. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Not only must we have sound doctrine, it is important that we use it to correct false doctrine, like we try to do on this program. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to take this sound doctrine, exhort, and to convince the gainsayers. You know, we read 2 John verse 9, how that you have to abide in the doctrine of Christ to have God, which means you can't be saved without abiding in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ. The next two verses read this way, 2 John 10 and 11. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. For he that biddeth him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. So not only does Pat have to abide in the doctrine of Christ to be saved, if somebody else is not abiding in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ, I don't need to be bidding him God's speak. If I do, I become a partaker in his evil deeds. 
How would you bid somebody God's feet? By helping them sin or encouraging them in their sin. For example, you've probably heard me use this illustration before. It's going to be impossible for me to commit the sin of being a woman preacher, violating 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, or 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. Why? Because I'm not a woman. It's going to be impossible for me to commit that sin. But suppose I worship with a congregation that allows women to preach from the pulpit, and I just go along with it. I don't object to it. I don't try to get it changed. Then I become a partaker in their evil deeds, even though I'm not committing the sin myself per se. It just seems to me that most just go along with those in different churches who teach different doctrine. But this passage forbids doing such. Instead, we must oppose false doctrine in order to save as many as possible. How about Revelation 2.15? It says, So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So we have to hate false doctrine, not tolerate it. Hating it and tolerating are two different things. Now, what about the doctrine at the church you attend? Sure, they teach you got to believe in Jesus, but do they follow the doctrine of Christ? They believe and teach the doctrine of Christ? Do they practice the doctrine of Christ? Ed, I can't see them on my display. I'm sorry. Go ahead and put them on the line and tell me and talk to me. Alan, where are you from? Texas, sir. What's your, I'm sorry, I, could, I did not know you were there, Alan. What's your Bible question or comment? Oh, you're fine. I joined in a little late. I was just wondering, um, I joined in about the time when you were talking about falling from grace, and I was just curious to see if you uh, if you had said whether or not you can fall from grace or if you were proving a point. Yeah. I was. It was kind of a, a topic where I was talking about doctrine, and it matters, and what does it matter what a person believes and teaches on that. And yes, I read a verse that I think proves conclusively that a person can fall from grace. Alan, let me ask you what you think. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4, Paul's in the middle of talking about people binding Old Testament law like circumcision, but it could apply to something like the Seventh-day Adventists who bind the Sabbath day to day. Things in the old law that are not in the new. And he says in verse 4 in the King James Version, Alan, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. So, so I made the point that you can't fall from grace unless you're in grace to start with. Here's a person in grace. They're saved. They fall from grace. They lose their salvation. So I think it, and there's dozens of passages that do the same thing. Alan, this, I think this passage conclusively proves that a Christian can fall from grace. What do you think, Alan? Um, well, I, I've, I've never believed that. I've always been a believer that once you're saved, you're, you're, you're you're um, saved for life. Um, yeah, well, what do you think about this passage that says these people had fallen from grace? Um, I, I was unaware of it, but... Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, there's I, a number... Uh, hey, maybe I can sorry. call you back later so we can talk about some more of these passages in detail. Would that be okay? Um, I suppose. I just... Um, you know, I've I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Farley and um, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I'm familiar with um, you know a couple. Let of me the tell you about let me tell you about uh, Andrew Farley. Here's the way I would summarize what I've heard of his teaching. He's saying because of grace, you can live any old way you want to. He thinks grace is a license to sin, and the very opposite is true. And I've challenged Andrew Farley to debate me on this and other questions, but. He refuses. But, and why would he refuse to debate? Because he knows, deep down in his heart, he can't successfully defend his position. 
So he's teaching once saved, always saved, even though he can't defend, he knows he can't defend it from the Bible. Let me, let me, let me, Alan, let me read you this verse. This is Jesus speaking in Revelation 3, 5. It says, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now, it's, I'm going to stop right there because I want to ask you the question. Do you know what the book of life is, Alan? Yes. Yes. That's, that's kind of like God's, where he, it's the list of the names of all the saved people, right? Yeah. Yep. But it says here that if you overcome, talk about overcoming temptation, sin, he'll not blot your name out, which would imply that if you don't overcome temptation, he will blot your name out. If you, if you go back into sin, he will blot your name out. That would conclusively prove you could lose your salvation because you were saved. You were in the book of life. You don't get in the book of life unless you're saved. Then he blots your name out because you did not overcome temptation, sin. That means you're not saved anymore. Am I missing something yeah. there, Alan? Um, well, I, I just – I've always been a believer that um, God's word comes through clarity. So, and what I'm seeing here is just a lot of confusion. I I don't see where you could draw the line and say, okay, now I'm, I, I have officially gotten to the point where I have a, I have overcome temptation. I mean, to me, like Andrew Farley says, I mean, it's kind of like we every every one of us has temptations every day, and to say that you know you you not um you don't give in to any ever. I mean. I mean, is he just blotting out and then unblotting and blotting out and then unblotting? I mean, it just the clarity there just isn't there for me. Okay, I mean, Alan, thank you for your call. Thank you for your call. Ed, Ed, put on the next caller. And so, okay, and so what? So that that shows what what the caller just said about Andrew Farley shows again what I was talking about. Andrew Farley is advocating grace means a license to sin. Since he's saying, well, how would you know? When a person has overcome temptation, therefore you don't have to overcome temptation in order to be faithful to God. That's what he's saying. Since, since there's no clarity about it, Andrew, according to Andrew Farley, uh, how would you know when you've overcome sin and temptation? Therefore you don't have to, <laughs> but Jesus says you have to. Jesus, evidently you can know because it says if you don't overcome temptation, he will blot your name out. I don't, I mean, that's pretty clear. You have to overcome temptation or he'll blot your name out of the book. And the book is the list of the names of all the saved people. If he blots your name out, that means you were saved and now you're not saved. I mean, another passage that's very clear on this is James 5, 19 through 20. It says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So here's some at brethren. That's be Christians. He said, he supposes some of you err from the truth or the new King James will say wonder from the truth. Like you have a child that wanders from the house. That means he was in the house or at the house. He left the house. So if you wander from the truth, that means you were in the truth. You left the truth. Then the instruction is to us who remain. Try to convert that guy back. That's your job. If you convert him back, if you convert this sinner from the air of his way, that is the brother in Christ who erred from the truth. You'll save his soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. Well, what does that imply? That means that if you fail to convert him back, let's say he refuses, that his soul will die. And it's not talking about physical death. It says his soul will die if he's not converted back. His sins will not be hidden, not be covered. So here's a brother in Christ. That's clear. He errs from the truth. Our job is to convert him back. 
If we don't convert him back, his soul is going to die and his sins won't be covered. Clearly. Conclusively, teaching once saved, always saved is false. Why do preachers like Andrew Farley continue to preach that once saved, always saved is true? Well, you'll have to ask him that. But why do preachers do this? Because why do people want to believe once saved, always saved? Well, it's just wishful thinking. They want it to be true that once they become a Christian, they can live any old way they want to. That grace means you have a license to sin. I can live any old way I want to and still be saved. They want that to be true. So they teach it's true, even though there's not a single passage in the Bible that teaches it's true. And there are dozens and dozens, practically a passage on every page of the Bible that proves it false. It doesn't matter to them what the Bible teaches. They want that to be true. They want to live the way they want to live and still be saved. So they teach once saved, always saved. It's important that we abide in the doctrine of Christ. Here's some other passages. How about Acts 2.42? Talking about some new Christians. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. How about Ephesians 4.14? That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So these people were carried about by every wind of doctrine. If doctrine's not important, then why was it bad if you're carried about by every wind of doctrine? Wouldn't matter. Doctrine wasn't wasn't important. How about Second Timothy one verse three? As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I came into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Why did he charge them that they teach no other doctrine if doctrine's not important? Titus two one. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Why if doctrine's not important? If all that matters is if you believe in Jesus that you quote believe the gospel and doctrine's not important, why was he encouraging them to teach sound doctrine and no other doctrine? Obviously, doctrine is important. The first verse I mentioned last week was 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. It says, take heed unto thyself and unto thy doctrine. And add, if there's another caller, put him on. Take heed unto thyself and unto thy doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So, okay, Alan, you got a follow up? Uh, it was just a continuation on my question. I uh, I, I was really just looking for some clarity, but I, you know, you hung up, and I was trying to get to another point. But well, hurry, go ahead. I'm about to have to go off there. So if you got a little follow up, go real quick, and we'll hear. We'll listen to it. Well, it was just a continuation on falling from grace, and I'm just trying to understand what your your thinking process is, just so I can understand. But. Um, when you say that you have to overcome temptation, are you implying that like you you've, you'll never sin again? Like you you overcome no. every temptation every day? No. What it means is is that when a person becomes a Christian, he's going to do a whole lot better. He's not going to live perfectly, but he's going to be a whole lot better than before he became a Christian. And when he sins, he's going to repent of his sins. Jesus said, "Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish." Luke thirteen three. So it means when you do sin. You have to repent to be forgiven. Remember, Peter told believers in Acts 2.38, here's people wanting to become Christians, believers wanting to become a Christian. He says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So yes, when you're baptized, you get the remission of all your past sins, but it won't, it doesn't do any good to get dunked in the water unless you repent first. So you're making a commitment to change your life in regard to sin. And after you're baptized, God expects you to follow through on that commitment change your life in regard to sin. And as we read in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, if you don't change your life, if you continue in sin, 
God will blot your name out of the book of life. You will, your soul will die if you wander from the truth, according to James 5, 19 and 20. And Galatians 5, 4 says you will fall from grace. So there's verse after verse after verse. There's really hundreds of verses that conclusively prove once saved, always saved is false, Alan. It's only just wishful thinking that believes the other. If you don't believe me, ask Andrew Farley. Get a hold of him. Ask him if he'll debate me publicly. And when he tells you no, no, that means he knows he can't defend that doctrine successfully. Okay, appreciate I, I you listening. I'm... Appreciate you listening tonight. If you would like a free one, I'm going to have to go off the air. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Alan. If you'd like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, sometime at your convenience, I want you to call me at, or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study. Call or text me at 256-682-9753. Thank you for listening.